And we are back. Once again, another episode of the Kickback Pod delivered straight to your dome by yours truly, Fobs, aka Danger, aka My Side Pack on Instagram, aka Daddy Fabs in Berlin. So I'm flying solo today because Big JD Kicks is in Japan enjoying some incredible vintage shopping if you're watching his Instagram stories, getting his fits off if you're scrolling through the feed, and eating some of the best food he will ever eat. I am so, so jealous, JD. So if you're listening to this, shout out to you. We miss you. Um, but while we miss you, I'm sure we will survive an episode without you because I have a jam-packed news roundup planned for you guys today. So I'm going to be going through some of the biggest headlines of the past two weeks in the sneaker and footwear worlds, and I will be sharing my thoughts on those topics. So I'd love it if you guys listening could slide into our DMs either via the kickback pod on Instagram or our personal accounts. Let us know what you thought of the episode, what you think of the topics, and whether you agree with my takes. But before we get into all of that, it's time for our usual segments. What I've been wearing recently and what I have picked up. I'll start with what I've been wearing recently because it's a good one. It's a good one, but it's also an underrated one, to be honest. I finally managed to dig out the neutral gray Air Jordan 1 lows that have been hiding under my bed since last summer. The weather in Berlin has been banging recently, and with no danger of rain in sight, I've been rocking this all-white pair quite a lot over the past few days. I actually prefer Air Jordan 1 lows. Anyone who has listened to the pod or has spoken to me in real life about sneakers knows this. I find them more comfortable because they don't really restrict my ankles as much as mids or highs do. And in my opinion, they can be worn with shorts a lot more naturally than highs or mids. I know that there's some people out there that religiously only wear highs. They don't consider mids or lows to even be Air Jordan 1s. But I'm just a really big fan of lows in general, like runners. And so... If you give me the choice between Air Jordan 1 high and a low, and if it's not a absolute retro OG colorway, then I will probably lean more towards the low. The neutral grays are super nice. They came out a few years ago, and I was lucky enough to get my hands on a pair, courtesy of the Soulbox squad. So shout out Soulbox, one of the best stores in Berlin. Super underrated pair in my opinion, and you hardly see them on the streets or in the feeds, which I find a shame. Maybe it's because they're very simple, but I feel like that's the beauty of them, you know? They're a little bit more advanced than an all-white pair, thanks to the neutral gray hits, but they are understated enough that they don't really dominate an outfit. It's, in my opinion, the perfect complementary pair, like a if-you-know-you-know kind of shoe. You want to let people know you're a sneakerhead, but it doesn't define your entire personality, so you don't have these, like, crazy, vivid colors on. Um, You're just kind of like, you know, I like the Air Jordan 1, but I'm going to wear the low, and I'm going to wear it in the neutral gray because I want people who know about sneakers to know, but I don't need everybody to know. Let's be real, though. It definitely dominates a big part of my and many of our personalities in life, both professionally and privately. Anyway... Moving on to latest pickups. I actually did not buy any sneakers since we last recorded, but I was lucky enough to receive a couple of sneakers as gifts. The first is the latest colorway of the On Cloud Monster. Big, big, big shout out to the homie Amadeus Tuna, who is working as a brand and creative consultant for On Now, 
Um, congrats on the new client. Anyone who listens to this podcast or Oshu knows I'm a big fan of the brand. I think that they have a very, I guess you would call it aggressive design and their performance sneakers actually work as advertised. So that was the first pickup. Then a little while back, I was blessed with not one, not two, but three pairs from the diverse uh, or from the diverse New Balance grade A packs. Again, thanks to Oshuwen's collaboration with New Balance a couple episodes ago. If you haven't already and you speak German or want to learn German, check out that episode. Ama and I talk about grade A, its significance, and the sneakers that dropped this year. From that pack, I got the Moon Days 550s. Super nice pair. They look exactly as you would imagine if you went for a walk on the moon in them, like super dusty. The whole inspiration behind the pack was basically what would shoes look like if you wore them on the moon? And basically all of them had this like gray, blue, blue steel kind of dust to, uh, effect to them. And the 550s have also like a bit of like wear and tear, like pre-worn aesthetic, which I really like. So yeah, that's a super nice pair. Then the 990 V4s, obviously a classic, and the 9060, which was designed by the homie Yu Wu at New Balance. In addition, Puma was lovely and sent over a pair of the Velo Faces sneaker in a nice beige colorway. That is their new sneaker that has you know a bit of a 2000s, 90s, 2000s retro running or retro super future um, soup. No, not retro super future, retro futuristic um, vibe and aesthetic. So I've been definitely looking forward to checking them out. I haven't put them on foot yet, but they are quite nice. They've also got this like very fast, you know, and Puma is all about like speed and fast, Usain Bolt, all those guys, um, uh, Lewis Hamilton. So it's got this like very fast look to it. So I'm definitely looking forward to putting them on and uh, yeah, just walking around in those. Outside of sneakers, I picked up a sweater from the latest Noah collection at Vu Store. It's this nice eggshell white colorway with an attached blue polo collar. So it makes it look quite preppy without having to wear polo underneath. So it's basically one piece and it's something you can wear on warmer days. Now, let's jump straight into the news. And my goodness, we have a big, big, yeah, news episode for you guys today. We're going to start with the biggest piece of news, um, in my opinion, from the last week. Travis Scott was seen wearing an unknown Jordan brand sneaker. This prompted various blogs to speculate that he would be getting his own original sneaker for the very first time since his partnership with the Swoosh started. There isn't too much to see looking at the images available online, but what we can see is that the sneaker has this athletic style tooling, meaning the outsole and the midsole. The upper is dressed in suede with a mesh base. There are athletic looking overlays. And of course, of course, it's Travis Scott we're talking about here. A reverse swoosh on the side of the shoe. A a Jumpman logo adorns the tongue. So this shoe doesn't really look like anything Jordan Brand has in its roster. But it does look like a Jordan Brand sneaker. And anyone who takes a look at the image will probably back me up on this or know what I mean. The toe box looks a little bit like it could be borrowed or inspired from the fives. It is a low top sneaker. The overlays look familiar without looking like they were taken exactly from uh, another shoe or an existing silhouette. So basically it's an original sneaker with maybe 
nods to existing Jordan brand shoes. Now, what do we think of the shoe? Honestly, I don't think it's terrible. And I know I've been a huge or relatively big Travis Scott Nike hater, but it's not terrible. It's also not something that really jumps out at me though. So I would probably need to see better photos or a mock-up of a product shot to really decide whether I would wear it or not. That being said, I think that this is major news because it's not every day that someone gets to design an original sneaker at Jordan brand, let alone Nike. Nike is known to be very, very strict when it comes to creative control over its shoes. It took them ages to even allow anyone to mess with the swoosh during collaborations. I think Virgil was actually one of the first that was given the green light to change things up back in 2017 when the 10 dropped. And we all know that Kanye left Nike for Adidas because he was not happy with the level of creative control he had. He wanted complete control, which Nike were not willing to give anyone. So since then, obviously Travis has made the reverse swoosh gimmick his own um, and more and more people have been able to take collaborations and Nike silhouettes a little bit further. Tiana Taylor's upcoming drop is a, is a good example of that, you know, um, basically removing the swoosh and then stitching it on, you know, a couple centimeters lower than where it usually is on the Air Jordan 1. So Nike has loosened up a bit, but they haven't loosened up so much that they give everyone a um, original sneaker. You know, I would say that off the top of my head, it's only really been Jerry, Jerry Lorenzo, Matthew Williams, and Kanye West who have really received their own shoes, right? Or shoes that maybe are a combination of various Nike sneakers. Um, I can't think of many more people that got their own shoe outside of signature athletes. And I would say that those don't really count. Those are a little bit different to collaborators and creatives coming in and doing their thing. So this is big. Travis Scott has been Nike's golden boy for the past few years now. His collaborations always sell out and create huge hype. So the natural next step was obviously to give him his own shoe or his own line. And if these images and the rumors in the blogs are to be believed. That's exactly what Nike did. Because if Jason Tatum or a John Morant or a Luka Doncic, get, Luka Doncic get their own shoe, why can't a Travis Scott get his own line too? I also think it would have been boring to keep rehashing old designs with Travis. Obviously, the reverse swoosh stays on this shoe, but giving him his 15th Air Jordan 1 would have been a little bit lame in my opinion. So I think this will really put his brand to the test. Like will people buy original sneakers with Travis Cosign or does his Cosign only work on existing models with their own heritage? Time will tell. Next up, we have the ultimate luxury football collaboration. Yes, I am talking about Prada and Adidas football. They have just unveiled the classiest pack of football boots and apparel we have ever seen. It's why the collaboration, in my opinion, is one of the best luxury X sportswear collaborations we have ever seen. I have talked a lot about the Gucci Adidas Gazelle pack being amazing, and I stand by that. But I think that Prada Adidas, just from a 
design standpoint and a story storytelling standpoint blows not just Gucci, but everyone else out of the water. I mean, it blows out Dior Jordan because Dior Jordan was just pure hype. It, you know, I mean, it really shits on Balenciaga, Adidas as well, because that was terrible. Um, sure, the first initial superstar was a little bit boring, but I think the forum made a splash thanks to the announcement by ASAP Rocky, who up until that point had been pretty much neutral when it came to big sportswear brands. I mean, he was only really signed to Under Armour, which I don't consider a big brand. And um, obviously currently is working with Vans, which again is not a big sportswear brand in my opinion. It's a big skating brand and a big lifestyle brand, but it's not a big sportswear brand. Then the AP Luna Rossa 21 was probably the most interesting sneaker to come out of that collaboration. I think for much of the same reasons as why the football pack is so good. It had performance in mind. It was performance and function first, right? So form followed function there. The sneaker was an original design taking cues from both Adidas and Prada archival silhouettes. And it was designed to perform on Luna Rossa's top tier sailing boats. It's waterproof, has grippy outsoles, and was super breathable. And it also arrived in a range of monochrome colorways. Now the Adidas football pack, which consists of the Predator, Copa Pure, and X Crazy Fast, has trailblazered a new frontier. Sure, we've seen fashion and football collaborations before. As I've said, I've mentioned the Pradas, uh, the, the Dior's, the Gucci's, the Balenciaga's, both on and off the pitch, right? Like back in 2013, Yoji Yamamoto famously created a Real Madrid kit and a pack of Adidas boots. Um, actually, it was the Adidas F50 Tunit, which are amazing shoes. I still actually have two or three pairs of those somewhere in my mom's cellar. She keeps telling me to take them with me, but I mean, I don't play football competitively anymore, so I think I'm gonna keep them in her cellar a while longer. Maybe a little Lenny will play with them one day or play in them. Um, but yeah, this collaboration is the first time that pure luxury fashion has been tapped to create pure performance football gear because, you know, Y3 isn't really luxury or pure luxury in the same way that Prada is. And for all of you thinking of Stone Island New Balance, yes, was super dope and very, very nice and on-brand pack of apparel and footwear. But Stone Island isn't Prada and New Balance isn't Adidas, especially in the world of football. New Balance is a relative newcomer and underdog, whilst Adidas is probably the football brand. Um, so if you're asking me whether I'm sold on the collaboration, I very much am. Will I buy a pair? No, I do not play enough football to justify spending 500 euros on one, but they are very, very nice and will undoubtedly become a collector's item in the future. Next up, let us talk about the Adidas Samba hype. So this is maybe not a difficult one, but it's, it's not as superficial as you think. It's a little bit more to unpack here because everyone knows that the Samba is Adidas' hottest sneaker of the moment and arguably one of the hottest sneakers across all brands at the moment. Bloatcore, which apparently is what it's called, is basically just wearing football jerseys casually. This has been trending for quite some time now thanks to the lead up to and aftermath of the 2022 World Cup. So it stands to reason that accompanying footwear will also be trendy. But you can't really run around in studs when you're out on the street, or rather anywhere except for the pitch. So a lot of people have turned to the Samba, which is one of Adidas' most famous sneakers. 
It was actually originally released over 70 years ago in 1949 to allow football players to train on icy pitches where their studs would not grip. This is why the outsole has this funny suction-like pattern, which I actually didn't know until I researched this. Um, it's quite literally supposed to suction or suck and stick to the icy hard ground. I thought it was just kind of like a cool design, but it actually had some sort of functionality back in the 40s and 50s. Um, if anyone has a pair of Sambas and lives by a frozen lake, maybe some of you guys in Canada, I don't know, I mean, we have late May now, but maybe there's a lake somewhere in Canada that's frozen over. Why don't you go test it out for us and let us know how they work. It is also reportedly Adidas' second best-selling model of all time. Coming in behind the Adidas Stan Smith with 35 million pairs sold worldwide to date. It's simple. The OG pairs were of super high quality. The newer pairs, not so much. And the best part about the sneaker was, big, big, big emphasis on was, that it was cheap. Before the hype, you could pick them up for around 60 to 80 euros. Nowadays, they actually cost 120 euros directly at Adidas, which, man, that is such a ripoff. I'm sorry, but like the shoe has basically doubled in price because of hype and the quality has gotten worse. So that's not really cool. But the affordability, the functionality and the accessibility made it a mainstream hit. But it was far from being considered cool. Now footwear trends have moved away from crazy designs and over-the-top colorways or features to a direction that is in favor of more laid-back, subtle, and complementary footwear. That's why the Samba is so popular at the moment and why a lot of silhouettes similar to it, like the Gazelle, are also getting a lot of love. You guys know this, right? We've talked about it before. You probably see this on the blogs. You've read an article about it and uh, you've seen it on your feed. Uh, Wales Bonner has collaborated on the Samba and generally has been a huge proponent of terrace culture as part of her collections and collaborations with Adidas. Sporty and Rich of, of Emily Oberg is also dropping some nice, more colorful pairs, but still very tasteful. Fucking Awesome did a collaboration on the Samba. Kith and Clarks have also given their touch to the silhouette. So it is the sneaker of the moment at the moment. It's clear. The Adidas Samba is cool again, but that's not really what I wanted to talk about. And that's what I said at the beginning, right? It's a little bit more to unpack than that. What I wanted to discuss was an article in GQ by Nathan Taylor Pemberton called the Adidas Samba enters its anxiety era. So that's the headline, right? And I'm going to summarize this article quickly, just so that those of you who have not read it, I will put it into the show notes. Um, can kind of get an idea as to what was written in this article and what the overarching statement was. But Nathan basically makes the argument that there are two types of people wearing the Samba. Those that started to because of the trend and those that do because they have always worn them. His point is that those chasing trends dilute what the shoe is all about. It's heritage, the subculture it belongs to, and it makes those that actually identify with the shoe feel out of place when wearing it. So ultimately either making them stop wearing something they truly like or wearing something they f like but feeling weird about it, which is kind of convoluted. But um, if you really think about it, you can kind of get what he's saying, right? Opinions on Twitter were split on the arguments made in the article. And I recommend taking a look at it. So seriously, I'm going to put it in the show notes. Uh, read it, form your own opinion of it, 
Join the discourse on Twitter. Let me know what you thought about it as well. Some people were saying that shaming people for chasing trends or buying what's hot or being new to something is borderline gatekeeping. I would argue that it pretty much is gatekeeping. Whilst others were saying that what the article actually comments on is that trends and wearing what is cool has morphed into anyone can be cool if they scroll through Instagram or TikTok. Basically, what he's saying, this is what people are saying that Nathan is saying, is if you look at the internet, you can dress cool. And back in the day, dressing cool was about self-expression, being different, really believing in what you were wearing, sending a message with your clothing. And they feel like the homogenization of trend culture, pop culture, through Instagram, TikTok, social media, blogs, forums, has made being cool a lot easier, but also a lot harder. Because if everyone's cool, are they really cool or are they just all looking the same? right? And so then to really be cool, you need to go beyond that. I would argue that these kinds of people, the self-expression, the being different, the really believing what you're wearing, that still exists today. There are some extremely stylish people out there who have stees. They are just effortlessly cool. But they are cool because they're part of that niche or subculture or group or aesthetic and they naturally belong there, right? But sure, People also follow trends, but that's always been the case. Also, you could make the argument that diluting what something is about via trend hoppers, you could basically make that argument about anything, Nike SB Dunks or Air Jordans, for example. But on the flip side, aren't we all part of this culture and this community because we enjoy meeting like-minded people and exchanging insights, opinions, and inspiration? I understand the need for subcultures to stay subversive in a way, right? I feel like the more the merrier though, because who am I to tell someone that you had to be into sneakers 10 years ago for your love for sneakers to be real? Um, Someone could tell me that I had to be into sneakers 20 years ago, right? So my point is there's always someone who has been around longer than you and that is fine. Of course, there are some I don't want to say bad, but some negative aspects when it comes to a culture going mainstream as sneaker culture has in the last few years. But I always believe, and I will always say this, I I think that there will always be subgroups within that subculture and niches within niches that pop up to counteract that and keep the balance. So basically, if something goes super mainstream and used to be a subculture, I don't know, let's look at trail running, for example then you just need to dive deeper into trail running to find the real niches, the real sub-subcultures, because those will always be there, right? Or the brands that nobody's wearing. Like, sure, you can wear Solomon's, that's trail running, but what about Morel or uh, Keen, right? Those are brands that have been untapped, and there's so much out there for you to explore that, man, fuck it, shit will go mainstream, but you can always find something really cool within that mainstream that other people don't really know about or that hasn't really been been brought to the to the forefront yet. And maybe you're the one to bring that to the forefront or be uh, a cultural pioneer, as Heisenbaide says. So yeah, anyway, long story short, I thought that the article was super interesting. And uh, while I don't agree with all of it, it was thought-provoking and a conversation starter, which is what I feel articles should be. So tip my hat to Nathan. Um, Again, check it out in the show notes. Let me know what you think. I think both sides of the argument have some merit, um, which leaves me straddling the fence somewhat, but I think it's uh, it's definitely something worth talking about. Now, 
to my last news topic of the day. It's not really a news topic. I mean, it is a bit of a news topic, but it's more of a personal segment that I'm going to try and introduce now. Let's see if Josh allows me to keep it when he comes back. But when I was at High Somebody, I used to do this column called Fab's Footwear Forecast um, before they made me change the name. Uh, I guess uh, Fab's Footwear Forecast was a little bit too... Uh, too niche or not marketable enough, whatever. We ended up changing it to the High Somebody Footwear Forecast. I prefer Fob's Footwear Forecast, of course. Um, but it was basically a column that tried to forecast trends, pick up on things early uh, within the footwear industry, and, and just basically comment on evolving storylines within the industry and, uh, and culture. And I miss doing that. So you are officially hearing Fab's footwear forecasts on the kickback for the very first time. And like I said, maybe, maybe, maybe this becomes a regular feature of our podcast. Anyway, back to what I wanted to talk about. I want to talk about Saucony. Saucony is making moves. My pick for the most underrated brand and brand to watch right now is Saucony. The brand has been around for a minute, 125 years to be exact, and it has had some bigger and smaller collaborations and moments in the past. But I want to explain why I think the brand is primed for a bigger role moving forward, at least in the next 12 months. The 2000s runner craze is well underway. Brands are starting to bring back their 2000s gems and ASICs, a brand with a very strong 2000s catalog, is leading the way. Nike is also finding some really good success with the Zoom Vomero 5. So Saucony is more of a brand known for its 80s jazz sneakers, but it also has a line of sneakers featuring its grid technology. Grid came out in 1991, and a lot of the sneakers that featured grid came out in or around the 2000s. And they feature very heavy 2000s aesthetics that are very different from Saucony's 80s jazz lineup. I'm talking big hole mesh, metallic overlays, busy uppers, and lots of visible tech. So for those that are wondering, GRID stands for Ground Reaction Inertia Device. Such a 90s name, but I love it. And do yourselves a favor, look into Saucony's footprint online. They've really stepped up their social media game over the past few months. And I think that is also a sign of there's more to come here and there's there's definitely momentum there because these sneakers I was just talking about, these grid sneakers, they're coming back and Saucony has started to release some very, very tidy looking generally colorways in addition to teaming up with some of the, what I would consider top tier partners in our culture. Raised by Wolves did a shoe, so did Bodega. Heisnobide is dropping two colorways next week and Saucony has tapped Cordura as a material partner on the ProGrid Triumph 4. Don't forget at this point that New Balance and other brands have used Cordura fabrics as a material partner on some sneakers in the past, as well as recently. Cordura is cool. It's like Gore-Tex. It's basically not a real collaboration, but if you use that material, it's almost considered like a collaboration level shoe, just because the quality is up there and it's usually seen as a special release. Might not be super limited, but it's a little bit more limited than regular general release colorways. 
But what I want to talk about is the ProGrid Triumph 4 that I just mentioned. It's subject to most of these collaborations and some very nice GR colorways. It's a very athletic looking sneaker featuring the aforementioned big hole mesh on its upper as a base, where other Saucony retro models tend to go for a more, I would say, simple approach. The Triumph 4 is very busy and I know I said this about Puma before, but it just looks fast. It looks like a shoe that you can walk in quickly, that you can run in quickly. Um, it's not one of those 70s, 80s shoes that you know, looks almost like a square. It's more of a rectangle, if that makes sense to anyone. Um, but yeah, Hard Copy has posted a few general release colorways coming up. And while not on the same shoe, they remind me slightly of the 1906R. So if that's the type of sneaker you're into, then the Triumph 4 might be for you. Overall, the brand is starting to create some buzz. The sneakers are popping up on accounts that you would consider tastemakers and cultural commentators. It's sneaker marketing 101, but let's be honest, it is a tried and true method, and I truly think that Saucony has the product to back up this marketing push as well. I feel like there's always a surprise brand each year that does well. You've got Crocs, you got Morel 1TRL, you got Solomon. All those have been brands that have popped up seemingly out of nowhere in the past. Saucony could be that brand this time around. So as always, time will tell, but I'm telling you, definitely take a look at the ProGrid Triumph 4. There's a couple of really nice ones out there as well, like the ProGrid uh, Omni 9. That's, uh, oh, actually, I, I received a pair of those. That was super dope as well, which made me think of this topic. So um, sorry, should have said that in my latest pickups. Um, this is not a sponsored segment. Trust me. I just think that Saucony really has some momentum and is really one of those brands that you're going to be seeing a lot more of because they're making a concerted push to bring out nice shoes that resonate with sneakerheads. So maybe in 12 to 18 months, I'll be saying, ha, I told you guys. So maybe you guys will be telling me, ha, you had no idea and you're just talking shit. But anyway, that was the first ever Fobs footwear forecast on the kickback. I hope you enjoyed it. Those were all the topics as well. We're going to jump into the upcoming drops now. As mentioned, May 31st, High Snobiety Saucony Pro Grid Triumph 4 in two colorways. They have one more colorful pair and then a silver beige white pair, which really channels that 2000s aesthetic, but, you know, stay subtle, which is, which is nice. Then also on May 31st, the Saucony Pro Grid Omni nine the one i was just talking about is dropping in a number of nice general release colorways june 1st you've got the a6 gel cayano 14 in black and cream the gel cayano 14 one of the shoes of the year last year and definitely not losing any momentum so check that one out if you want on june 1st also on june 1st tiana taylor and nike air jordan are dropping the tiana taylor air jordan one I mentioned it briefly before, but it's got this really cool swoosh design where the swoosh has been stitched lower than its normal placement. I'm not a huge fan of the colorways, to be honest. Like It reminds me a little bit of McDonald's, um, so I'm going to call them the McDonald's ones or the Big Mac ones. But yeah, I mean, it's an Air Jordan 1. It's a collaboration. Uh, if you're into it, check it out. That's dropping June 1st. On June 2nd, we got APB uh, and Nike dropping a pair of LeBron 20s in the FAMU colorways. That is 
APB is actually one of James Whitner's um, retail locations along with Social Status and Ama Manier. It is APB's first ever Nike collaboration, so definitely check it out. There's always great storytelling there, and the colorways are very fresh. They remind me a little bit of the Arnold Palmer Air Jordan colorways that we've seen back in the day. Then on June 6th, we've got the Zoom Vomero 5 in yellow ochre which is actually a great colorway. I, I see that actually being posted a lot on Instagram because that yellow is really gonna pop. Then June 9th, we've got the Bodega New Balance 610. Um, really nice kind of trail hiking shoe that has come out recently. Definitely check that one out. Then on June 14th, we've got another Zoom Vomero 5 in the Royal Tint Photon Dust colorway. This one looks a little bit like the silver one that dropped recently, except it's not silver. It's kind of bluish, yeah, bluish gray and um, very, very nice. Definitely something if you want a more subtle colorway, if you want the louder one, then obviously pick up the yellow pair a week earlier. And then on June 30th, we have the Action Bronson New Balance 990 V6 Lapis Lazuli. So I believe this is the second colorway, if I'm not mistaken, of three to drop. And it is really, really nice. Anyway. That is all for the upcoming drops. Thank you all for listening. If you made it this far, I really appreciate you because I was literally just rambling on about sneakers. I had no Josh, no interview guests to kind of check me and uh, talk back to me and, and tell me that I'm an idiot uh, or that I'm a genius. But yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed putting it together for you. I appreciate your feedback. I definitely want to make sure that this podcast is everything you want it to be. So please let us know in the comments. Let us know in our DMs. Let us know on the kickback pod what you thought. And yeah, that's it, guys. Peace.